Welcome to Life Lessons, a ministry of Metro Believers Church. We pray that you will be encouraged by today's teaching. And now, our guest speaker. Hey guys, I want to try something really fun, really cool. This half of the room, we're going to do an old song. We're going to sing hallelujah. This half of the room, you're going to do praise ye the Lord. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on now. Let's do that. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah? Amen. Hallel Yahweh. That's what that is. Praise the Lord. Hallel in Hebrew means to praise Yahweh, the, the personal name of God. So when you sing hallelujah, now you know what that means. God is good. All the time, God is good. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you so much, Glenn and church family, for allowing us to, to be a part of you. It has been about a year. It's been just a very healing experience, a much needed experience for us to be here so far, and we've made some really great connections and relationships. Bobby and Trina were just key in, in inviting us out here and bringing us here. You guys have been awesome. So I just want to say thank you, and I really am just so excited to be with you here today. Um, <laughs> if you look up, you get a picture. There it is. That was just recently. That was Tiffany and I and our little baby Alethea there. We've been married, by the way, about almost going on eight years, seven years going on eight and Alethea is going to be turning one in a month. Can't believe it. <laughs> we waited a while to, to have a baby, and, and I, I don't know why I waited after seeing her, but eh. So this was just a vacation we had. So that's us. You get to know us a little bit. Go ahead and, and come and talk to me. Love to just be relational with you guys. Um, for those who didn't hear my testimony, the next picture here, there it is. We'll show just some of the places we've been in the country. Uh, we've lived. I've lived in 10 different cities, uh, 11 different places. And got family scattered all over the place. Um, been able to be a Methodist preacher for four years. And uh, we did started a home church and church planted and was an Assemblies of God pastor for a while. Um, seen, seen the gamut. <laughs> um, had a lot of good things. People come to know the Lord and then had some things that weren't as good. And I had some personal struggles and had to learn and grow through those things. Um, isn't that what life is all about? Yeah. None of us are perfect. And I am sure far from it. Um, but God is good, and he gives us grace, and he understands that we're not perfect. Amen. <laughs> so that's just a little bit about me. I want to jump right on in. Let's get, let's get into the word, and let's get into prayer. Father God, thank you so much for just this opportunity to get into your word, the living, active word of God. Thank you, Jesus, that you have um, brought your Holy Spirit to us. You empower us. You move on us. You love us with an unfailing love. Um, God, I just pray that you speak through me and let this body be your vessel. And pray, Father, you open the hearts and the minds of all who hear this, here and abroad, that, Lord, we will be transformed and that we would live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So we've been looking at the story. Our fun uh, sides here show you that. And you can see the amount of time. And thank you, ushers, for doing that. You can see the amount of time that's spanning here. And that first part, we just don't know exactly how long. And then you got... Uh, Abraham coming in 2166, 
all the way to, you know, David and Saul and those guys and Solomon around 1000 BC. And then we're going to cover today that period of the fall of Judah, which is right around 586 BC. So we've covered a lot of history, a lot of time. And it's just amazing to me that God is not absent from time. He is ever-present, and he works with all these different people groups, including us today, through time. We've looked at, through the last couple weeks, more the northern kingdom. So Israel was together, and then it divided, right? You had uh, Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and last couple weeks, Manuel has talked about Ahab and Jezebel and Elijah the prophet there. The over-sexualized prostitution, the sacrifice to foreign false gods was happening in the northern kingdom. Much of the same kind of stuff you'll see is going to happen in the southern kingdom. And so that's where we're at. That southern kingdom, Judah, Ir Shalom, Jerusalem, the city of peace is what that means in Hebrew. So unfortunately, it's been anything but a city of peace for much of its history. One day, however, it will be the ultimate city of peace when Jesus rests king eternal on its place. All right, we looked at the Assyrians taking over that northern kingdom, um, and today it's going to be a different kingdom. See, what's going to happen is the Assyrians have control first, and then the Babylonians will come and take them over, and the Babylonians are the threat in today's story. They're the ones that are coming in to take on the south. Now, if you know a little bit of history, Persia is going to come and take them over a little bit later, then the Greeks, then the Romans, and that's the time of Jesus, just to give you a little history. I have a history background, by the way, uh, bachelor's in history, so I, I'm... You know, I had a guy, uh, one of my professors actually jumped up on a desk and did the whole sword thing. You know, I was trying to think of ways that could be animated for you. I could bring in a suit of armor, but I don't actually have anything from that period. I have some swords, but nothing from that period. But uh, history can be fun and exciting. It really is. And history often repeats itself, okay? And we can learn and grow because of it. And that's what this first part of this message is going to be about. How can we learn from the history of God's people? All right, if you have in your handout, should you have a little handout like this? And this little handout has on, it, on the left side these kings of Judah and Israel. Hopefully you can follow along. It's also up on the screen. Um, you can see there the southern kingdom is on the left. The northern kingdom is on the right. And you should notice real quick that the northern kingdom, they're all bad. See on the right side, it says character, bad, 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 all the way down from 1 on down to 19. That's a whole lot of bad. <laughs> In other words, they just didn't follow God, right? They did evil in the eyes of the sight of the Lord, is what, how the scripture words that. On the left side, it's not as dismal. You have some good intertwined between some of the bad. That's the Davidic line, the Davidic covenant going through that southern kingdom of Judah, where Jesus would eventually come from. And you know, there's, there's a period, though, near the end, as is often the case before things fall, where it's not as good, it's bad. And that's the period I want to look at. We're going to really start with Hezekiah. He's number 13 on your list, and go on down to 20, Zedekiah. All right. If you look at that list, though, you'll notice, besides Hezekiah and Josiah, the rest are all bad, in a long period of years. It's really from 716 to 586 B.C. Uh, with a 55-year bad reign that ends with a little repentance from Manasseh. So I really don't count him. <laughs> but it's just another testimony to how God in his faithfulness and his goodness allows people to repent even at the end. You know, you live this horrible life 
I mean, we don't know where people are going. That's between God and them, right? And even in your last moment, if you have a sincere and repentant heart, I mean, that's one heck of a gracious God. <laughs> wow. After 130 years, only 60 of these years, and near the end, is good. Where Yahweh God, the personal Lord our God, the great I am, yod heh vav -Hey, Yahweh, if you ever wonder what that word means, it's the great I am from the burning bush. It's so revered, that name is, by the way, that the Hebrew people wouldn't even say it. They would say Adonai, Lord, instead. You know, he is, he is that big, awesome, powerful, and to be revered, right? So they didn't worship this great, awesome God for a long time. Seventy years of false gods, prostitution, murder, wrongful sacrifice. Now, to illustrate this point, and there's a reason I'm about to do this, I'm going to try to do some push-ups. Um, I was going to have some people up here doing it, but I just didn't want to do that, and hopefully this will work out. But All right, so just imagine 70 years, right? Physically speaking, that's quite a long time. It's like somebody's entire life. You know, they're going, they're going, and, and it's just no worship of God, no worship of Yahweh. It's just a lot, and I don't think I can hit 70. Matter of fact, I'm going to stop. Woo! That's a lot of push-ups. Anyway, why did I just do that? Because... Being physical is just one of the ways in which God tried to speak to his people in the north and the south kingdom. He did this through the prophet Ezekiel. Now, if you look on that little list I gave you, it'll, on the far right of each of that shows what prophet was in that time frame speaking and prophesying unto those kings. Prophet, by the way, mouthpiece. You ever play a trumpet? You know, you blow into that mouthpiece. It speaks out. It resonates a sound. Prophets are meant to be the mouthpiece of God. In other words, if God were to speak to you from a cloud right now, would you not listen? Right? Mouthpiece of God. So to illustrate this, Ezekiel, oh, he had to do some stuff. Look at Ezekiel 4, 1 to 8. It's going to be on the screen. Now, son of man, take a block of clay, put it in front of you, and draw the city of Jerusalem on it. Then lay siege to it. Erect siege works against it. Build a ramp up to it set up camps against it, and put battering rams around it. So he's playing army men, right? He's basically setting up army. I was going to bring that on stage, but that would just take way too long to put up here. Verse 3. Then take an iron pan, place it as an iron wall between you and the city, and turn your face toward it. It will be under siege, and you shall besiege it. This will be a sign to all the people of Israel. Now listen to this. Then lie on your left side, and put the sin of the people of Israel upon yourself. You are to bear their sin for the number of days that you lie on your side. Hmm. I have assigned you the same number of days as the years of their sin. So for, a couple hours, no. So for 390 days, you will bear the sin of the people of Israel. On his left side, he's laying down on his left side for 390 days. Um, <laughs> I thought a few push-ups were something. After you have finished this, lie down, verse 6, this time on your right side and bear the sin of the people of Judah. It's the southern kingdom. And I have assigned you 40 days, a day for each year. Turn your face toward the siege of Jerusalem with barred arms. Prophesy against her. I will tie up with ropes so that you cannot turn from one side to the other until you have finished the days of your siege. It's a long time. So God uses people. And he can use people in different ways to illustrate his point. And that happens today too. But here he used Ezekiel physically as a point to say, hey, you guys are going to be in captivity this long. If 
by the way, my side really hurts. You getting the picture yet? Hey, hey, North and South Kingdom, you get the picture yet? You know what, though? They won't listen. They won't listen. They're going to go their own way. So looking back at those couple good ones, right? Hezekiah and Josiah. Let's look at those real quick. Hezekiah, he would actually listen to the prophet, the mouthpiece of God sent to him, Isaiah, or Isaiah, we learned last week. And Isaiah and Hezekiah are going to be faithful, and when the Assyrian army tries to conquer them, they fail. And God sends an angel of death in their camp. By the way, you can read this kind of stuff, this history and archaeology. It's all there. You can read it. There's, there's tablets that portray this stuff outside, extra biblical, okay? Our, our history is not just some made-up, phony thing that you find in our book. It is confirmed and reconfirmed all the time. So Josiah, the next one, okay, many years later, Josiah, he takes down some of these Asherah poles, you know, the, the foreign gods, the false idols. He takes them down. He's going to try to reestablish God worship, Yahweh worship. And they find the Torah, the law. They find the book of God. And it's just fascinating to me, his response. Here's what he says, 2 Kings 22, 11 and 13. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, the Torah, he tore his robes. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah, about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. His heart was rent. He was moved by the word of God. You think we could be moved by the word of God? He was so moved and the whole nation would be moved as well, right? Often the leader, the way the leader goes, the nation can go. But unfortunately, as you saw the other bads that followed, his sons and, and, and the, the leadership, the kings to follow, have short-term memory. And they go back to their old ways. They go back to the Canaanite gods to worship Baal, you know, for rain. They go back to Asherah, who actually is one of the Canaanite gods for the female goddess of El. El is the Hebrew word in general for God. And they do detestable things when they worship these gods. Really bad stuff, you know. Um, you think what we have today can be bad. Ooh. Uh, prostitution, sacrifice, killing people of all ages, just nasty stuff. All of this greatly hurt the heart of God. Did you know we can hurt the heart of God with our actions? Now, he, he'll never stop loving you. His love is always there for us. But when we sin and we do the things that can hurt God, he has feelings too. He's a jealous God, Scripture says. Okay? You've got to remember that this is a God who chose a people and walked with this people, did miracles for them, right? Parted the Red Sea, fire and smoke, leading the people out in the wilderness, right? Established them as a nation, the walls of Jericho came a-tumbling down, right? Manna and quail from heaven made Solomon the wisest and the richest king to ever walk the earth. This is God's people. But what happens? They continue to go to other places. They're selfish. 
You say, I don't want you anymore. I want someone or something else. Listen to Ezekiel 6.9. Then those of you who escape, this is Ezekiel prophesying about the, the future, you know, with them being exiled. Those of you who escape, remember me among the nations to which they will be carried captive. How, this is God, how I have been hurt by their adulterous hearts which turned away from me. There's God's heart. Man, just come back to me. Just come back. I love you. I want you. Just come back. Can you imagine being God, watching your people, your creation to whom you love, blatantly love others and commit just heinous crimes, spit in your face, prostituting themselves, prostituting their purity? As a daddy, as a new daddy, you know, just this morning I was in tears. I woke up and I saw Tiffany and and Alethea just, you know, uh, laying there. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's more the baby, right? Anyway, and so it just, it brought tears to my eyes because I'm like, man, that's just pure and beautiful and right and good. You know, God's our daddy. Yeah, Abba Father. Abba Father, Daddy, he loves you. <laughs> I can only imagine, though, as a daddy, how my heart would falter if I saw my little girl run after other things and other people and be hurt by other things and other people, right? To prostitute their purity. That would hurt my heart. It's a big deal. That's, you know, not sinning isn't just some commandment thing, you know, check off the box. It's because we're in relationship with Jesus Christ. Because we're in relationship with God. We don't want to hurt God's heart because we love him and he loves us. He first loved us. He loves us that much that, well, you know the story. He sent his own son and he died for us. He became flesh. The God of the universe became flesh. Yeah? I mean, whew. God had to step in. Back to our story. God had to step in. It leads us to Jeremiah, known as the young prophet or the weeping prophet. God uses him as a mouthpiece to Jerusalem during their fall. He's in the city of Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, and he's watching as it falls. Jeremiah 25, 8, 11 says this. This is what the Lord of armies says. You did not listen to my words, so I'm going to send all the families from the north. I will also send my servant, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, declares the Lord. I will bring the families from the north to attack this land, its people, and all these surrounding nations. I'm going to destroy them and turn them into something terrible, something ridiculed, something permanently ruined. And he goes on. That's God's broken heart. And he had to bring his justice forward. He could not allow a people who were supposed to be the city on the hill, representing him and his name, the goodness of God for the world. He could not allow them to continue to be detestable like this. And so something had to change. It's not a lack of love from God. It's the opposite. Sometimes we have to discipline those we love. We should discipline those we love. That shows that we really love them. Judah is eventually put under siege in 597 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar II of Babylon installs a new king in Jerusalem. It's going to be Zedekiah, be the last king in Judah. But guess what? Just like all the others, he also does evil in the sight of the Lord. He rebels. He's crushed hardcore. Crushed in his rebellion by Babylon. Much bigger army, much stronger. And it gets kind of gruesome if you read it in your, in your chapter in the story, right? You know, he had, they captured him and, and they actually killed his kin right in front of him, poked out his eyeballs, Sorry, this isn't PG-13, but uh, her PG, both out his eyeballs, and then sent him and deported him. 
Rough stuff. I am so thankful. Thank you, Jesus, that I live in America in 2018. So here the chronicler, here, here is he puts these events in order. Second Chronicles 36. The Lord, the God of their ancestors, sent word to them through his messengers again and again because he had pity, grace, right? He had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked God's messengers, despised his words, scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people and there was no remedy. Never ever do I want to be in a place where there's no remedy. <laughs> you know, we, we're in this love generation, which we ought to be in, and that is the most important part that I think we need to catch is God's love, his agape love, his unconditional love for us. But remember that he is still the God that to existence and to taking you out of existence, <laughs> right? He's powerful, he's strong, he can do whatever he wants, but because of his great love, he sustains us, he forgives us, he loves on us, he gives us time and time and chance after chance. And he walks with us, and sometimes he has to see the hard work of his child to whom he loved and created choose a different way. After the fall of Jerusalem, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, he's there, he's left behind, and he has to watch as his city that he has known and loved, the city of God on earth is crumbled. And here's what he says in the book that he wrote about it in Lamentations 1, 1 through 5. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she who once was great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night. Terrors, tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, there is no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. After affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her. In the midst of her distress, the roads of Zion mourn, for no one comes to her appropriated festivals. All her gateways are desolate. Her priests groan. Her young women grieve. And there is anguish and on and on because of their many sins. Folks, there's something we need to take away from this. Obviously, it's kind of, you know, doom and gloom. Like, it's not the favorite topic to maybe discuss. <laughs> but there's something we could take away, and it's all of this could have been avoided had they listened to God. Had they just said, I'm sorry, yes. Right? Our lives can be the same. Sometimes we just need to say, I'm sorry, yes, Lord. God Time and time again, plenty of time and opportunity gave them this way that they could change. He gave them prophets, priests, good leaders, kings to try to bring them back. And they spat in his face. They, in their own selfishness, in their desires, in their rebellion, thought that they knew better than God. They worshiped other things, they made their own laws, they made up religion to suit their own evil intents to make the people around them happy. A lot of it was just harmful, nasty. Does that sound familiar? Could that be today? Do we think we know better than God? Are we running away from the time-tested, love-proven, life-changing, God-eternal? I've used the word a couple times, it's the word rebellion. Rebellion. 
Sometimes we look at rebellion and think it's a great thing. We think back to our nation's history. You know? Well, there is something called a rebellious spirit. It's, it's not so good, especially when it's pointed towards God. Rebellion, what is it? What is rebellion? It comes from the Hebrew word here, marad. Marad. Which means to resist authority of God, king, nation, and people. It's actually where we get the word marauders from. That, that a familiar word to you? Yeah? Marauders. Marauders, for their own pleasure, would go kill, steal, and destroy and take away other people's things, hard-earned things for their own. That sounds a lot like Satan, Satan, the devil. Yeah? Kill, steal, and destroy. Marauding, rebelliousness, rebellious spirit. The Hebrew people rebelled against God. They were marauders against God because in their own selfishness, with their own pleasure, they went after other stuff and said, God, I don't care what you gave me. Boot, don't want it. The World Cup today, right? You know, I used to play soccer and get a good boot. They didn't want it. They kicked it out of the park, yeah? And they had to suffer the consequences because of that. They could have decided to fall under God's law. You know, like the excitement that was there with Josiah when they found the law of God. They could have decided to say yes, but instead they didn't. And there's something that we need to know. The Torah, the good law of God, is love. The Torah means teaching and instruction. Who wouldn't want to be taught and instructed by the master and creator of the universe? His Mosaic law was good and moral. The priestly law in Leviticus gave them a way to stay pure and healthy and away from the nastiness around them. And Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Yes, we have grace. But he said, if you, what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have fulfilled the law and the prophets in these things. So Paul, speaking to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, 8 and 11, says this. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and the rebels. Rebels. And he goes on this long list, right, of all these different sins and things that people can get caught up in in their lifestyle. It's anything that, that basically goes against sound doctrine, that does not conform to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, the euangelion, the good news about Jesus Christ. The Greek word there literally means to sit under disorder, rebel. To rebel is to sit in disorder. So my question for us today is this. Is, is your life, is our life, are we disordered? Are we sitting in disorder? Because we're out of whack. God isn't where he should be. He's not first place in our life. He's just among. Are we disordered? Are we rebellious in our spirit and we don't even know it? Who is on the throne of your life? Who's in charge? Who's the king of kings for you? As Christians, we have the Holy Spirit, literally God in us. He lives in us. He guides us. He he. He comforts us and convicts us and he walks with us choice by choice in everything we say and do if we let him, (laughs) right? His desire is to commune and to be with and to love on for all of eternity and it starts here and now when you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit. It's a mark and seal, guarantee. We can choose to live according to the spirit that God has given or we can choose to live according to the spirit of ourselves, the spirit of rebellion. Rebellion, by the way, is selfishness. The spirit of a rebellion is selfish. It's getting what you want more than what God desires. 
There's another one that's coming soon, you know. Don't know when, but sometime. And he is the author of rebellion, if you will. The end time. Second Thessalonians 2.3. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for the day will not come until the rebellion occurs. And the man of lawlessness, we talked about God's good law, the one coming is lawless, and he is rebellious. Don't be led astray. Don't be like Judah. Don't be like Samaria in the north. Don't allow these things to consume you. Don't allow your own selfish ambitions and desires to lead you to other things. Maybe you're not going to go worship the Canaanite God, but whatever it is, something like a video game that you might put there or porn, or whatever it is, whatever your struggle is, whatever the thing is that you put in place of God, on the throne of God, instead of sitting here for, for you, you know, let God sit here in your life. You have a choice, and you can look at the handout. I gave you a handout. I was a part of Campus Crusade for Christ Ministries, and on that handout, there's two pictures, right? There's one that is the Christ-directed life, and then one that is the self-directed life. And when you allow Christ to be the center of your life, in other words, you put him on the throne of your life, he guides you, directs you, you will experience, Chuck, thanks so much, wherever you are, that was an awesome testimony, and he spoke it out, he spelled it out, actually, I mean, I almost don't need to preach. You know, the gospel in that, you change. The fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit become real. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control become your life. You see with God's eyes. You love unconditionally with God's eyes and his heart. Not your own, because you can't. There's nothing you can do good enough. But God, through him, all things are possible. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> and I know I'm, man, time is always an enemy. Whew. When you live your self-directed life, God just becomes a part of that circle. So picture this, the throne of your life, or the picture, right? And then around you, you have all this stuff, your job, your career, your finances, your family, your whatever. Oh, and then over here somewhere in the corner is the cross of Jesus Christ in your life. My challenge to you is to put the cross of Jesus Christ right here in the center. Let him be in control and just watch. Just watch as your life changes. And man, you'll never go back. <laughs> so in conclusion... Stop your rebellion. Don't live in rebelliousness. Don't let selfishness and your own stuff track you down. Instead, let Jesus have control. Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah? Put away all that other stuff. Don't be like Judah. He loves you. Man, does he love you. Just say yes. Just say yes, Jesus. I'm sorry. Come on in. Fill me up. Holy Spirit, bathe me. Let's do this thing. Because I want to love on you and your people. Because I know you're loving on me like crazy. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hmm. Metamorphosis. Do you want to be transformed? Or do you want to still live in the muck and the mire? Just let Jesus be a part of your life, but not really in control. You really want to have a changed life. And if the answer is yes, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> we are new creatures in Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. Amen and amen. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, God, you are so good. 
You're so full of love. You gave the people of Israel and of the southern kingdom time and time again. You gave them opportunity and they said no. But God, I don't want to be like that. Purge the rebellious spirit within me. God, let me just fall deep in love with you so I can love on your people. Holy Spirit, come and just soak me up. (laughs) Use me to be a vessel. And I pray that same prayer upon every person sitting here. That if they would desire it and they would desire you, that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And from this day and in this moment forward, yes to Jesus is is a daily life choice and decision. And how you will be so good to them and bless them wholly. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. Amen. If you want to know more about Life Lessons, check us out online at MetroBelievers.com or write to us at Metro Believers Church, P.O. Box 45702, Madison, Wisconsin 53744.